Hi, Steve. Hey, Mitch. How are you? I'm great. Great. Welcome back to Everyday Meeple, where you and I, as everyday people, talk about everything board games. Everything Meeple, everything yeah. board games, card games, tabletop. We got it covered. We got it. We got it covered. Some of some of our friends are listening on CHMA. 106.9. There we go. Sackville, New Brunswick, Voice and, of the Marshes. And we're also available on the internet. Interwebs. If you, if you know where to find that. Last week I'd mentioned Elder Sign briefly. And I in our, said, in our video game chat. In our video game chat, it oh, had come yeah. up because Kevin Wilson, who had done the Doom board game, also was one of the designers on Elder Sign. And right. I, I mentioned very briefly that I had just learned that it was based off of a Rainer Kinesia dice game. And oh. I wasn't and I wasn't sure what that was. But I had mentioned it in passing. I'm pretty sure I mentioned it last last week. That that Doom was based on that? No, no, Elder Sign. Elder Sign. Oh, I missed that. If you did say that. If I did, I'm pretty sure I said it because I, mm-hmm. I remembered saying it. I made a note, but okay. I didn't. I didn't know what that was. I had mentioned right. Elder Sign very briefly because I was saying what Kevin Wilson had also done. Yeah. In the context of for that show, he'd done Doom and Descent. I right. said he, he'd also worked on Elder Sign and a bu- and Arkham Horror and Imperial yeah. Assault, and he was a Fantasy Flight designer. So, and and. Uh, not just a designer, but a what do you call it? Developer. Developer, yeah. So his his name's on some boxes where he didn't, you know, design the game or right. but, he, but he helped polish the game and develop the game and bring it along. But Elder Sign, sure. the Rainer Kinesia tie-in, I went and looked it up. And it actually ties back to the episode where I talked to my friend Ryan in Calgary. Yeah. Where we were talking about risk. And the system that Elder Sign uses is a system that Rainer Kinesia has in a, in a game for Hasbro where they did, they did an express line of games where they took okay. all of their big hits. They have uh, Clue, Game of Life. Um, I have the Monopoly version, oh. here, which is not a Rainer Kinesia. Uh, but there are all these express games and they come in little tubs and yeah. they're, they're smaller versions of the game. And the Risk version of this is a dice game where you have, I think, 18 different cards with different continents on them and you have right. particular tasks that you... Well, they're not probably not called tasks there. But this is the system that was then implemented in Elder Sign to make Elder Sign function. So in wow. Elder Sign, you have the different rooms in the base game, rooms in this museum that you're, you're trying to crack the case and fight yeah. the Hulu stuff. And each, each card has particular symbols and you have to do each line in order and you have seven dice that you roll and re-roll. Right. Uh, to to complete these tasks to win the game, and it's a risk game that, that it, that's from. Wow, that's neat. We just played Elder Sign again last night because I because we'd been talking about it like that, and cool. it's a really fun game. But it but it just it just most of the time nine out of ten times it just sort of ends. Yeah. Very rarely does it end with excitement. The game is exciting. We we have a great time playing the game and there's yeah. tension and stuff going on as you play it, but but when you win, it just sort of goes, eh, we won. Right. And you put everything back in the box. I'm kind of amazed at Elder Sign when I think back to it as as being one of our casual game night group game night go to games. Because it yeah. plays eight eight people. We right? played it with and, eight and we were kind of new to games when we were getting together, like 
six or ten people to we play We might have games. played it with nine people one time. I think we did. Or maybe we, we paired up and kind of did teams there, or something. There are so many characters in the box mm-hmm. that there's more than eight players worth of stuff in the box. Yeah. I, th- I think we actually tried with nine players one time. But it's funny, though, because we've talked about gateway games before. And why, while... I would agree that Elder Sign is is a great game to get people into games. Uh, it's almost like it's a great gateway game to uh, Lovecraftian games, and not necessarily a great gateway board game. I think mechanically it is a great gateway board game, but for us to like push it on our friends to be like, all right, we're all detectives in a Elder Sign. There's there's uh, eldritch gods from the cosmic forces coming in, like. For anyone who who doesn't know anything about that, they must have thought like, "What are, what is what's Mitch talking about? Why maybe, are we playing this game?" <laughs> maybe it's why we end up playing a lot more Telestrations now because we started, yeah. we started so early, early pushing Cthulhu on everybody, <laughs> right. and everybody just sort of backed away and like, let's just play Telestrations. It, and it's funny in retrospect because I never thought about it in, until this conversation actually because I'm like, no, no, it's just dice chucking. It's 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 Yahtzee, but 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 it's fun and and, and it's, it's a story. But then uh, it might have been like, whoa, this is a lot, and maybe not. Maybe it, everyone was like, this is it, great. It is a lot. Like that that theme. Um, if you if you read the forums on BGG, there's there are people who who very much will not play games that have. Uh, this type of theme on them. Anything that right. has witches and curses and, and has imagery that is evil. Yeah, it is looks, it is a very satanic. big yeah, it's a very big stumbling block for a, a big cross cut of, of gaming culture where you yeah. know a lot a lot of gaming culture is is church groups and 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 family type stuff like that sure yeah so there's a there is a big swath that that is a, a line too far where they're you know just reading the forums you'd be like people are asking are there any other games that have this mechanic that don't have the cthulhu mythos right. you know so that people like they're interested in the game but they can't play the game because it just it it crosses crosses yeah. that thematic line which is totally understandable that's you know yeah be the same thing i there are i don't have a comparison of a thing mm. i don't want to play a game that no i don't i don't really mm. i well yeah. i won't play kingdom death monster yeah and you know what i i don't think i would I think either that's a line too far for me yeah there's a i can't name them specifically but i've seen them around there's a an art style mm. um a kingdom death monster in my opinion, suffers from this. Other people's opinions probably wouldn't feel the same way. But there is a certain type of uh, kind of over-sexualized art style that I feel like is unnecessary for that type of fantasy game, even dark fantasy. It's not it's not necessary. Uh, it would make me f- feel weird. I don't really want to feel weird when I'm playing board games all the time. Sometimes. But yeah, what I was going to add about Elder Sign uh, tying it to to the fact that it's not necessarily uh, the best gateway game is that the Cthulhu mythos and the Lovecraftian thing uh, it has its own like lexicon it, it, it's almost like you would need a, a rule book or a cheat sheet for someone to understand the names of things mm. uh, you know what an elder sign is and what it, what these gods are and why are why is it 1920 and why are people look, looking for this <laughs> you know it's like it's, it's another really interesting it's another example um, where as much as I was excited ab- about the mythos and about the story and about the theme, we ignore it. You know, yeah. when, when we're playing the game, we're, we're just doing 
the dice. I can't remember the name of the ancient one that we're fighting. I try really? and say it every every turn. Mm-hmm. Some fun <laughs> I, I don't know if that's like a Beetlejuice problem, and I'm just gonna sink the <laughs> thing, sink things. But I try and get into it, and we try and. But I mean, you're you know the the theme of you moving about the the museum and investigating stuff. Right. It evaporates so quickly because of the pacing of the game, where you are you are throwing these Yahtzee dice and, and trying to stack things and just puzzling and, it where to place dice. Yeah. So it, it just, you know, it's, it looks great. It's a fun theme to explore and to have, but it it's not integral to the game. And, and mm-hmm. we end up, especially when we played with eight and nine players, like yeah. nobody, nobody's oh. paying attention to that. No one's, and th- this is another reason that it's a great, uh, and I don't know if Gateway. It's a great light yeah. game. Yeah, Gate Gateway might might be a fine thing because it's so easy to introduce people to, right? The, because the because the mechanics feel so much like Yahtzee. Yeah. You can you can explain this game in terms that are immediately understandable to almost everybody. The the entire system of the game can be explained quickly because it because it has that that feel right and then it doesn't matter that that you don't have to you know introduce people to the mythos and explain no, the no. whole of it if you want to just up and play the game it's a great easy game to get going and because people are going to be instantly familiar and so we keep saying a yahtzee thing but here's here's the weird thing uh it's a it's based on a rainer knizia gate dice system and rainer knizia right. is is well he's renowned right he's he's got over 600 games in his list right. of of designer stuff and he's actually written the definitive books on dice games right so to say that it's a yahtzee game works to explain the game and works because people immediately understand what bits of mechanics are are going to be in that but it's his own development of that right. system. And yeah. and there's actually a thing in the in a forum that I had read where you get a game like King of Tokyo, which mm-hmm. which works even more like Yahtzee. Right. Uh and somebody was saying somebody brought up the point where Elder Sign, you make no choices, right? So on a room card on Elder Sign, there'll be two or three rows of symbols. Right. And when you roll your seven dice, you need to score one of those rows. If you can't score, you have to lose the dice and roll again. Where right. you're not, you're not doing a Yahtzee thing where you go, "Oh, I got, I got a bunch of uh, magnifying glasses. I'm going to save those and keep rolling." Mm-hmm. So, so you, you have to get these symbols. And right. There are a couple. There are a couple ways to mitigate that. In order to, you can use some some shoe tokens to re-roll and things like that. Yeah. In order to score each line. And if you score all of the lines in order or not in order, depending on the card, then you, you'll win that card. Whereas King of Tokyo, you roll your dice, pick pick what you want from that, and then re-roll like you would in Yahtzee. Mm-hmm. So this right. person was saying, well, you know, that's not Yahtzee. And and this is Yahtzee, and that's not a Yahtzee mechanic, and this is a Yahtzee mechanic. So they were saying Elder Sign isn't Yahtzee, King isn't, of Tokyo is. Isn't closer. Yahtzee. And I can I can see that because it's fair to Rainer Knizia to say that he's come up with his own system. But in explaining the game, I will always say, so you know Yahtzee. 
It's yeah. like that. Right. You know, it's so, it's such a universal and ubiquitous mechanic that you, you use that as the foundation to then explain what's different. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you roll the dice, you have to get these things. You, you, you know, almost any dice game that has anything similar to that, I, w- I would start off by explaining, oh, it's, you, it's like Yahtzee, but you yeah. do this different. And I mean, I, I understand that Elder Sign is removing the choice of like locking your dice or whatever, but it's it still feels to me like my memory when you said that, uh, I was kind of thinking like, oh, right. I I thought you had the choice element. I was picturing that you didn't just go to a particular room that you could choose amongst the you rooms. Can, you can choose whatever room you want. Right. But you do that before you roll your dice. That's what I mean. Yeah, before you roll your dice. For a so, second, I was picturing you roll your dice and then you, based on the rooms uh, out there, you could lock particular dice and then no. put them in a room. So you, you pick a room of the six available rooms yeah, or, yeah. or others if you have portals open and you go to a room and that room will have the symbols that, that you have to get. So you'll, yeah. you're going to, you're going to decide what dice and what mitigation cards you might have available. Right. And go, Oh, and what, what we need. Cause there's rewards, right. And there's penalties. Right. Maybe it might be like, I, I, I don't have the health to go there because I'll die if I yeah. lose. Yeah. So there's choices. But I guess what not, I was, yeah. I guess what I was getting at is it's a, it feels essentially the same to me. Cause if I'm playing King of Tokyo or maybe even Yahtzee, uh, I have in my mind a kind of an idea of what I would like the the role the mm-hmm. outcome to be. So, you know, maybe I'm playing King of Tokyo and I really want to attack you in Tokyo. I really want those claws uh, to come out. And if they don't, well, I'll roll again and, and I, I can decide. And Elder Sign is the same thing, except what I want the role to be is, is on the card. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the... Di- to me, it feels like the difference is they just took it out of my brain and put it on the card. But I, I get the the kind of syntax, the the actual difference on paper. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, I have I have a, an illustration of that. But in order to get there, uh, we would have to say what King of Tokyo is like. King of Tokyo yeah. is, is Richard Garfield game, who is the designer of Magic: The Gathering, and he put it. It's a Aiello published yeah. on Aiello, yeah. and it is a a beautiful giant king of the hill dice chucking Yahtzee battle game. You play as as what do you call them? What do you call the kind of like kaiju kaiju uh, monsters, monsters? Yeah, that are attacking Tokyo, and each of you is a different kaiju monster, and you have seven dice, and they have you know attack symbols on them and they have power symbols and they have hearts that give you your health back and everybody starts at a certain amount of health and it's a king of the hill game where one person will be in Tokyo and everybody else will be attacking them and then you switch places and if you're in Tokyo then then everybody's attacking you and you're attacking everybody else and as you lose health the only way to get your health back is to get out of Tokyo because you can't heal while you're in Tokyo so you're constantly switching back and forth and fighting each other and getting extra, these little Tesseract power cubes. I call them Tesseract cubes, but I don't yeah, think yeah. that's what they're called. Uh, and that's the money system in the game and lets you buy power-up cards and all this stuff. And it's really fun, uh, fast, plays great with kids. And any, any again, anybody who loves Yahtzee or, or even understands Yahtzee, you, don't, you might hate Yahtzee. This might be the game that fixes that for you. Uh, works great. It's a fantastic game. And then they came out with 
King of New York, which took King of Tokyo and added stuff to it. It added a bunch of other fidgety things to do. And it's King of Tokyo is not a great two-player game. I think we've actually talked about this a long time ago on on one of our early podcasts. It's not a great Mm -hmm. two-player game. It's great with three and more. And King of New York sort of fixed that two-player thing where you can play King of New York with two players and it works really good. But King of New York, I I would never recommend for people who haven't already played King of Tokyo and liked King of Tokyo. Right. It's it's got too many other things. And there's not a lot of other things, but there's too many other things to just explain the game as easily and know what to do. Yeah. So the, the difference, the, the whole, this whole tiny spiel was to sort of illustrate that the difference between King of Tokyo and Elder Sign is like the choice difference between King of Tokyo and King of New York, where ah. King of Tokyo, I can, I can sort of go, ah, I want to do this. And I roll the dice and I go, ah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this instead. And right. there's, it's dynamic where King of New York and King of... Uh, King of Elder Sun <laughs> and Elder Sun, the the sort of the choice windows feel uh, different in a way that you don't right. you don't have the same sort of freedom. Uh, you can't with King King of New York. You can't really think up front. Ah, I want to do this. You have to wait till you roll the dice and see what yeah. you get, and and then sort of piece it together from there. Where yeah. King of Tokyo, you can like I'm going to go for all hearts this round and just work on it, and then Elder Sun you pick your room and that has sort of already framed your choice. Yeah. And then you have to get that or you lose. Yeah. It is significant. And where this guy was saying King of Tokyo is pure Yahtzee and Elder Sign is not a Yahtzee system. I get that again because, you know, it's, it's not, it's, Mm -hmm. um, it's not, but you know, to me, eh, that's how I'll describe it. Right. And Yahtzee, here's the, here's the thing. Hasbro sort of owns Yahtzee. Right. And they uh, credit it to, to Canada. Yeah. Two rich Canadians. Anonymous, two. anonymous rich Canadians. Wait, are you saying two, <laughs> like the number two rich Canadians or just to rich Canadians in general? Two rich Canadians. No, it was, two, <laughs> it was a couple. Two particular people. They, okay. they say it was a couple who were they playing it on their yacht. Oh, and they wanted to have this game that they they taught all of their friends who came onto their boat to party. Right. They taught them this game. And so they went to Edwin S. Lowe or Lowe uh-huh. in 1954, 56. And they said, we want to we wanna have this game produced. And apparently he got the rights to this game uh, in trade for the a, a thousand copies of the game, so they could give those away to the, and I I don't know. It smells to me that story. It's I don't know. Weird. I don't know if that's true. Yahtzee is is basically um, a poker dice. Yeah. Changed and it's been around and it's had tons of different names all over and and Mister Lowe is also famous for popularizing bingo. Okay. In North America, which was also a game that existed elsewhere and and existed inside of North America as well that he um, repackaged and, and sold. And I think he might have coined bingo as a, as a term, as a phrase. Right. So the story that Hasbro has about... Hasbro eventually bought 
the Edwin ES Low company. Right. Or one of the subsidiaries of Hasbro bought them. And huh. there's a, yeah, Poker Dice has been around since, uh, well, it's hard to track down what Poker Dice is, but there's a game called P- P- Purdue. Um, mm-hmm. Pedro. It's basically, okay. oh, Perudo. 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 We know it as Bluff or Liar's Dice. Okay, yeah. Which is basically, I think, the birth of poker dice, where you're taking poker dice and you're putting them under the cup and you're saying right. what, your, what your hand is kind of thing. And that that's listed at going back to like 1800s. So. Right. So, you know, maybe maybe a rich Canadian couple. I mean... It, vintage Yahtzee. It's an interesting story, right? I, I had watched a little video on it today. Um, it's just a really short video on it. Milton Bradley that acquired ES Lowe. Okay. And then, and then Hasbro bought Milton Bradley. The thing about Lowe's story, if it is if it is shady at all, which I know we're just kind of messing around here with uh, detective work or something, but um, is why, why make up the story about... Uh, two people on a yacht. Like there, there's, there's something there with that, with the yacht name, right? Like it had, it has some origins with playing on a yacht. You'd think. Well, it's yeah, it's known as yacht in, as that like the the public domain domain version is known as yacht. Right. Yeah, but I mean, so this guy, the history video I watched is, um, I forget the, I might have a have it here. It's like a toy, a toy video. Uh, Oh, geez, I didn't take a note of it. I'll find it later. But it was like a, um, a guy who collects toys and talks about them. And he has like, looked like he had dozens and dozens, if not a hundred copies of different versions of Yahtzee. And he told a story uh, briefly about apparently a couple of Canadians uh, sold it for, I think he said like 800 bucks versus your, your story. So there's probably some sort of like urban legend around what, what they sold it for. My story is actually on the Hasbro website. That's oh. what that's Hasbro's side of the story, right? That's what they've published, right? Now he he has a couple older versions than the. Um, well, the, I don't. I don't maybe I don't. Maybe not the thousand thing. I don't remember what exactly was on the website, but they credit. Yeah, don't quote right. me on that part. Well, he he kind of also in the same way you did was kind of like yeah I'm not so sure about that story kind of because there are many versions of Yahtzee that exist like in the 40s and earlier uh, and it may have just originated from somewhere. But interestingly enough, if if you were this low guy and you're sitting around and like yeah I'm gonna publish Yahtzee for all it's worth and rake in the money, why make up this story about oh two people playing on their yacht sold it to me for a horse and a goat. Um, <laughs> There's, it's cool. I mean, I, I love this. It's such a weird Wild West time. Like you, you bring up a lot of interesting historical um, information about board games of, you know, people who end up selling for nothing or making very little on it. The same thing happened. I, I won't get into it now, but the same thing happens with, in the comic book industry where, you know, people, the guys who invented Superman, like sold them for like a hundred dollars yeah. and didn't see anything for it. It's just this Wild West time of people trying to be creative and then just losing the rights. To well, this... This rich couple and their yacht, they just, I mean, that was Christmas shopping for them. True. They were just, they just wanted some copies made. Right. For their friends. And mm. and that person, uh, E.S. Loud, offered to make them a thousand copies, apparently. Right. Or in trade for the rights to the game. I also have uh, Kismet. Oh. Which is, which is Yahtzee by another name, but that was published in 1960 by another, by another company. Huh. I went, uh, 
I don't know if this is part of you, if you have notes on this anywhere, but I went down a weird uh, rabbit hole. You might be getting there. Um, but I couldn't resist falling down this pit of cosmic wimp out. Cosmic wimp out. Oh, I don't know that one. Okay. Uh, I'm glad Tell me I, more. Okay. So, you know, in, in looking into, you know, I knew we were going to maybe be having a chat like this. Uh, I went looking and of course, cosmic wimp out is... Um, Kind of similar, I think BGG listed as similar to like a 10,000, Dice 10,000 games. You know what I mean? Um, you, you may know more about uh, this type of game than I, because I have, Yahtzee's the only one I would have played. I, I wouldn't have played any kind of traditional version of these games, but they're kind of just traditional Dice game um, where you're... Oh, yeah. R- I'm, I'm just, fine. yeah, I'm just, my notes it. are horrible as well, <laughs> but, um, this type of dice game just ended up picking up steam it's, and it seems similar to Farkle. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like Farkle. Um, and cosmic wimp out is interesting in that it seems to have gained popularity through word of mouth in the sixties and seventies, um, particularly associated with the grateful dead with like with deadheads it, who would, this is a game that when I worked in the restaurants, this is what we would play after work all the time to, to win money, to buy each other rounds of drinks. N- not particularly Cosmic Wimp. Not, but no, no, no. A nameless game okay. that, that ran the same way as Farkle. And yeah. Right. So Cosmic Wimp out, I guess, in, in 1975, uh, changes it from being a traditional dice game and puts... Uh, custom dice together with with weird pips with um like um little a sun on one side and um oh god i gotta i gotta read a little a little description of it because it's just hilarious um but yeah the the story goes that people were playing uh cosmic wimp out at like following the, the grateful dead around like you know the deadheads that just followed that that famous group around and someone eventually stepped to the mic and said um can you stop putting cosmic wimp out stickers on our tour bus um this is like this day glow sun that was representative of cosmic wimp out and i guess it was a really popular pastime for people who were generally speaking probably consuming a lot of marijuana uh during during this time period if following this particular band around but yeah, so it has um, like triangles, um, um, a five, a 10, uh, or a flash, which is a triplet. Um, but it has this amazing things that can happen uh, in the rules. Where's the rules? Well, I noticed one of the things says specifically that players are encouraged to change the rules even in the middle of the game. Yes, you, you you make house rules as you go, and also the, it has a you know you put together your your dice set whatever wherever you can find. Usually it has this nice little silk, um, board, not a board but like a piece of cloth that you roll these dice on. But yeah, l- listen to this. So you know you're rolling um, for uh, to get points, but crazy things can happen. Like if on a roll of all five dice you roll five matching faces, it's a freight train, and then. There's a oh an Amherst rule. Anyways, I'm looking at more more more. Uh, there's a whole different section of, of weird fun rules. Um, anyways, I went down this rabbit hole and then uh, I, I found a quote. You can tell us what happens with the freight train. Oh, sh- 
<laughs> sorry, I'm like, I'm, I'm jumping around pages here. Um, to me, I, as I was reading the rules, my whole point is that it ends up sounding a little bit, I know we reference this a lot, like Cones of Dunshire, where it's like, you roll a five, it's a freight train. But if you don't do that, it's a, um, uh, some other train uh, reference. And how do Someone's I not got a have... caboose. It's, um, there's a really big acronym that you, um, five matching faces roll at once are a freight train. Uh, certain pips are 200 points or 400 points or 500 points. If you roll all of the, there's six stars on one of the die sides. Mm -hmm. uh, if you roll five of those, it's an instant winner. If you roll five of the tens, it's a supernova. That is just too many points and you're instantly out of the game. <laughs> um, I think there might be a Yahtzee rule in one of the Yahtzee type games where if you roll a Yahtzee on your first roll or something, you win. I don't know. I remember reading something about an instant win right? in one of the things I was reading the last couple of weeks. You know, you need at least 35 points to get into the game on your opening roll. And this is the big acronym, the Y-M-N-W-T-B-Y-M, which is you may not want to, but you must roll. If after any series of rolls, you score with all five dice, you must continue your turn rolling all five cubes. So even though it looked like a good turn, if you score it all on all those dice, you have to roll again. I don't really understand without having, actually having to go and give it a, a whirl. But there seems for uh, a, a Yahtzee-style dice game that you were chucking around what waiting for the Grateful Dead to come on uh, and <laughs> maybe spoken up, a lot of weird rules which and a lot to keep track of. But I think that's part of the fun is that it... Uh, would just be crazy silly and you're just like going for the highs and lows of, of getting those kind of runs on, on dice rolls, you know? Um, I think, I think that's the whole reason that the board game hobby exists because you take something simple like Yahtzee and you play it and somebody eventually goes, Oh, you know, I can make this better. I'm going to change right. this rule. I'm going to add this rule. I'm going to add this rule. And you end up with, with a completely different game that, that, you know, gets, bigger and bigger and bigger and it's well, yeah. that it's that excitement where someone is playing something that you know people have been playing for a hundred years and, and go ah what if we add this rule what if we change it this way right well there's a really cool book i don't know if you have a copy of this um uh the hundred hobby games the hundred best and there's a hundred mini essays written by game designers where they pick what their favorite hobby game is and andrew looney who is mm -hmm. the creator Looney of Labs. Uh, Looney Labs and Flux, probably being his most successful and marketable game. Um, he, his his write-up is on Cosmic Wimp Out. And he said when he was introduced to that in the 70s, it just blew his mind for um, j just what it did differently than, than just a, a regular dice game, just the kind of wacky rules that it put in place, the different pips. Um, there's a really cool thing on... on Andrew Looney's website with him and his wife, who is also a huge um, Cosmic Wimp Out fan. They, they are like, again, I'm generally speaking, but looking at his website, um, Andrew Looney, you know, he's tie-dye wearing, he developed Flux. A version of Flux is Stoner Flux. Um, him and his wife were huge fans of Cosmic Wimp Out before they ever met. Uh, they're both apparently geniuses they both work for nasa before they met and and fell fell in love and have this bond over cosmic wimp out there's a cool little part on his website where it shows that him and his wife go to the um what do they call it the cosmic um the cosmic 
it's the it's the place where the guy the, there's a couple that still make these cosmic wimp out dice. Mm-hmm. Oh, they still yeah. have day, they have day jobs. Is it a um, no, it's just a little house. It's like house. a room in someone's house. Mm-hmm. They have they have pictures of being there. It could there. be a factory. It could be. Um, I love you know, they, they have all kinds of vintage vintage dice, and him and his wife went there and put together their own set, and were really happy to have gone there and met his wife and and the, these two people who have this cosmic cosmic lighthouse or something they call it. Um, but. Yeah, and, and then looking around again, looking around at uh, Cosmic Wimp Out, one of the main pictures on the BGG page, I noticed a symbol. I'm like, I know that symbol. And I just clicked on it. And um, Boxing Rock Craft Brew in Nova Scotia, in Shelburne, I think, they put out their own Cosmic Wimp Out. Uh, they have a really nice set with their logo on it that I, I guess the board game, uh, the boardroom in Halifax, um, when they opened that's their cosmic wimp boat that they have on, on hand. Uh, that's when they, I, I think when boxing rock brought their taps in, uh, that's, that's what they had. There was a version of cosmic wimp boat. Um, yeah. Anyways, I was just, I, I got super fascinated by this version of a dice game like Yahtzee, like Farkle. Um, it also led me to one more thing really quick called Zonk Z O N K, which again seems almost like the same game. Seems like Farkle. Seems like Cosmic Wimp Out. Um, but Vice Magazine had an article written about it, basically looking at it through a lens of almost like drinking games. It's like a stoner game. Is it Zonkers? Uh, no, BG. Interestingly enough, BGG doesn't have it listed. Oh. Um, but I, there's a website where you can get the score sheets. It's like 40 bucks to buy like what looks like a pretty decent version of this game, wacky score sheet with the catch being once someone I think gets a thousand points in this game, the objective is 10,000 points. But once you get a a 1000 points, it merits a hit and there are bonus hits along the way with the hits being actual bong hits. Um, so you're meant to be kind of smoking as you're playing this game. And I got to wonder if this, this is a company, family show. Yeah, but still, we're just talking about the history of a game. And I got to wonder, it doesn't say it obviously in anything because they're marketing this game song. If it's cosmic wimp out that they're trying to, to cash in on because of its history with the grateful dead. And then they're like, we're going to create this game. Marijuana is legal in places. We're going to make money on this game that's been fun for 40 years and we're going to call it zonk um but yeah i wasn't expecting to get led down this this rabbit hole of uh, uh a weird dice game that was associated with uh, deadheads and the grateful dead and um it was interesting it was fun cosmic wimp out was 1976 mm-hmm. and it's a custom game yeah sort of not so much yahtzee but Farkle and this is similar, right? Right. It's got you roll dice, you get points for how those dice combine. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so 1977, somebody somebody went even even farther, I think, with one of my favorite games from when I, I was growing up. Uh, it's originally called Pigmania. Are you oh. familiar? Pigmania? No, no. I'm wondering if it's got renamed to, yes, Pass the Pigs. Pass the Pigs. showing me. Uh-huh. Which, Get rid of the dice altogether. I should have, uh, I do I do have, uh, it's David Moffat. It's the 
it's the only game I, th- I I think he has one other card game, but it's the only game that he's he's sort of known for. Um, right. And he has one other card game that I don't remember what it's called. And Pass the Pigs is actually two small molded plastic pigs, and you and you throw the pigs, and depending on how they they land on the table when you roll them, you score for different types of combinations. Um, the Razorback, the Making bacon, they they're all named and it's ridiculous. And they they make pocket edition where it's just a little plastic molded case with pigs in it. They make a party edition with a bunch of pigs and like it's not worth talking about, <laughs> but it exists and it's fun. And if you ever find a copy in a thrift store, buy it because it's it's worth it. Is there? Only six possible ways the pig can land. Does it does it uh, correlate to dice to a die at all? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. No, there are thirteen different combinations, Steve. Oh wow, so many edges on a pig. You know, you have the trotter, the double trotter, the razorback, the double razorback, the mixed combo, the pig out, the cider, making bacon, piggyback, double leaning jowler, the leaning jowler, the double snouter, and the snouter. Are these combinations with two pigs though? Two pigs, yeah. Yeah. Uh. Oh, because uh, well, you're all, you're always no. rolling two pigs. You're always rolling two pigs, but they don't always both score. Right. Trotter is five points. That's just one of them standing upright. Right. 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 If if both of your pigs land wrong, you you're out. Right. If they don't make one of these scores, you lose your turn. Right. So, like so many dice games, it's a push your luck game. Hmm. And one of the ridiculous things about Yahtzee and Pass the Pigs is that they were both made into card games. And it is weird. Hasbro Hasbro put out Yahtzee the card game, what's it called? Hands down. Mm. Like 2006 or something. And Pass the Pigs came out as a card game and I don't Mm. I don't know why. I didn't I didn't even look into them. I have the Yahtzee game but I've never opened it. I don't know. You know, I'm really surprised that someone hasn't, and maybe they have. We say this all the time on the show. I mean, if I Google it right now, probably it will probably exist. But there aren't versions of a Pass the Pig style game featuring, I don't know, like D&D, like Pass the Dire Wolf or the Bugbear. And you just roll a couple Bugbears and see what happens, or, or, or owl bears or whatever those things are called that seem to be popular. Uh, you, would, see. you would probably need to get a hold of David Moffat. It's probably... Uh, oh, he probably got be, it. Uh, because, it's, because it's a toy, you know? Right. There's a, yeah, there's that's a good, true. There's a good chance where whenever you're, you're building board games, like you're allowed to reuse mechanics and, and things like that. Mm-hmm as long as you're not sort of copying rules or, or thematic, there's a bunch of gray areas and like that, that might be a solid gray area, you know, Yeah, maybe a game that is unique molded creatures being thrown and landing in particular ways. That might be, I don't know, maybe no one's cared to look into it, but you could, but you could do that. You get the, the pictures off of the box Figure yeah. out what the scoring is, and you grab two plastic dinosaurs and just see if it works. Yeah, yeah exactly. You find a couple of uh, good shapes that fall a lot of different ways. What year did you say? Past the pigs? Next year, seventy-seven. 
77. Okay. Wow. Huh. And it's still selling. Yeah. I've seen, I see it around. Yahtzee in its first years. So from 56 to I think 70, 73, maybe 56 to, I'm going to have to cut that too. Doop, 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 doop. Whatever, 56, 56 till Milton Bradley bought them in 73, sold 40 million copies. Wow. And Hasbro, Hasbro claims that Yahtzee sells 40 million a year now. Wow. Still. Wow. Well, where I want to jump, but I got a feeling you have many gaps to fill from 1976 to the year 2000. Yeah. Because... I was thinking of this when you're talking about King of Tokyo and Elder Sign. You know, when someone says, "Oh, King of Tokyo is more Yahtzee than Elder Sign," but there is a fundamental thing missing from both of those games that are a big part of Yahtzee, and it's the writing down of something after you roll, which is, yeah, you no, oh, that's the part that I that I'm happy is gone. It's one of the reasons I love all the other games. It's one of the reasons I won't play Yahtzee anymore because I don't want to write my score down as I go very much. I hear you. And I don't really enjoy Yahtzee, but whether Yahtzee is the inspiration uh, or, or not, it, I feel like it's spawned the, the roll and write. I, I think some, I don't know if it, I could, I don't know if uh, I would go with spawned, but that's, that's well, like saying one particular, yeah, I don't know. That's seems... not spawned, inspired. But uh, I just don't want to give Yahtzee the credit for that. My, my argument, and I'm basically taking from someone else, which I'll say in a second, is that even if games like Farkle and, and Cosmic Wimpout and all these other traditional dice games where you're rolling and, and totaling a score and trying to get combos and things, uh, even if those came before Yahtzee, like you said, Yahtzee is still selling like millions of copies. Oh, yeah. It's going to be the one that people play most yeah, likely, yeah. right? I went down this hole to, uh, of roll and write and seeing if there was any connection to it. And Dicebreaker, which is a mostly board game focused um, website, not unlike our own everyday meeple, ha- has a neat little article kind of using Yahtzee as the... as the uh, Jumping off point? Yeah, as the catalyst. Catalyst, there you go. And this article jumps from Yahtzee to the early 2000s when Rainer Knizia, again... Because uh, he's always making Again, something. He wrote the definitive book on dice games. Dice games properly explained, I think it's called. And I haven't looked far beyond this, but he's connected. This writer is connected at Yahtzee in that Knizia designed Decathlon, which you can still download on his website for free. Mm-hmm. Which is a kind of thematic dice chucking game where you're looking for combos and locking dice, which is. It's bizarre. I read the rules saying, I'm like, I don't think I'll ever play this. Um, even though I can see in, in the year 2000 before, you know, hobby games kind of explode or whatever, I might have been like, wow, this is kind of a, a, really, a really neat idea. But he has, um, so yeah, this decathlon game where you have how many disciplines? Uh, use eight dice. And you play through uh, a long jump. It's a shot decathlon. Is ten high jump? Thank you. <laughs> I was going to say you can cut all that out, but it's worth it correcting me uh, that a decathlon is ten. But each one of these um, events, you use a, the dice in different ways, mm-hmm. and you know it's again it shows kind of 
Kinesi as a designer that he just went and said, hey, how can I use eight dice for all these different events at a decathlon? And uh, there's a really beautiful fan-made score sheet that actually makes it look like you might want to play it. Yeah, so this article was saying like that feels like the first modern roll and write and never even he never even published it into anything. But I thought, yeah, because a lot of the scoring, I think, and this is the thing that I, I contribute to Yahtzee, is this idea of kind of locking dice. And I know that other games would, would have done it before. That feels important to maybe like a roll and write genre. I think Roll Through the Ages does something similar, which again is might seem like, well, now you're just taking dice and replacing the pips with resources yep. and rolling them and then locking them and setting them aside and, and, and creating a score just in a thematic way. And then it seems to maybe spiral from there. And of course, you know, we're into a, it seems to be a very trendy type of game um, at the moment. I, and I hear you, Yahtzee, doesn't necessarily deserve the credit, but I think it goes back to what you were saying. It's the easiest way to explain it to someone. Yeah, yeah for that, sure. You know, these games probably exist because of it's. Well, it's it's like Monopoly, where it's ubiquitous, right? It's everybody yeah. knows Yahtzee. Everybody knows M- Monopoly. A really good modern game for distinctly using the Yahtzee mechanic again is Dice Throne. Oh uh, yeah, so yeah. I forgot about that. Dice Throne, which is it's put out by Roxley, but it but it wasn't originally put out by Roxley, and they did publish season one, but they weren't the original publishers. So Nate Chatelier and Manny Tremblay, who are from I think right. uh, Washington State, had this game and contacted uh, Gavin Brown at Roxley and said, "We have this game. We want to come up and show you." And apparently, Roxley said, "You can if you want, but we're probably not interested." <laughs> and then they and then they went up and they showed them Dice Throne, and Roxley was, "Wow, yes, we're all over this." It would have almost fit in last week's video game talk if we were talking about how to turn games into board yeah. games, right? It's where this this is a very Street Fighter esque battle game, right? Where you are, the game plays. Yeah. up to six players but it's always teams so it's like one one versus one two versus two three versus three or like an six player everybody against yeah. everybody i think you're fighting the person on your left or right or something yeah something el- like eliminating that. that way and it's yeah. yeah so it's a big tournament each each box you can get is either all six characters or or two characters that fight each other and there's a deck of cards that work as sort of one-offs or build your strengths and each character has a whole bunch of different ways they can attack and defend and you power those up by rolling your dice and and scoring Yahtzee style yeah. to to power up your attacks and your defense and use your cards and all sorts of things. And then you can level up your different attacks by spending stuff to put down new cards. Yeah. And it was a huge success and they started actual tournament play. And then season two came out with even bigger production and our, everything is, I believe, compatible where the season one yeah. characters and the season two characters are compatible. And they're just stunningly produced because they're done by Roxley. And now they're releasing, uh, or they've already released maybe 2020, maybe it's already out. The role, so. what a dice throne, what's it called? Adventures? Adventures, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Adventures. So now you're actually, now it becomes a co-op game where the the adventure system 
brings out things that you are now fighting against together yeah. instead of fighting each other. Turn it into a bit of a dungeon crawl, but using the same dice system, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think they... I, I, I don't know if, it, if it, it'll end up feeling like a dungeon crawl, more like sort of a Street Fighter thing where you're, <laughs> yeah. you're still just beating bosses kind of thing and moving on. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure either. They, they were hoping... Uh, I was actually reading about this earlier too. Um, the designers themselves are hoping that it's going to feel like Gloomhaven light. And it may in that it's like tactical combat, just instead of having a lot more agency with a hand of cards and how you're going to play those and movement and, and position and things like that. Again, you're just chucking dice. So it's stripping away the, the heaviness of it maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I'm like, I'm with you. I kind of wonder if it might feel more like double dragon than a dungeon crawl, you know, where you're just kind of walking uh, through a side scroller and, and just chucking dice against whatever hops in front of you, which is, I which still is think that'd be great. Yeah. Like even if that's how it ends up feeling, it's great. There's a really interesting thing with Dice Throne for me where it, it is this type of compact game is very visceral mm-hmm. to, to me where you and I played the first time we played Dice Throne, we played in the morning before I sort of had chance for the coffee to soak into my system. <laughs> and emotionally, I could barely take it. Right. Like you, you beat me and inside I, I was just like, well, obviously this is unbalanced and unfair and, and like we had to play again immediately and we had to switch characters. Right. And and I almost lost again, but I kind of just about won. Right. And it it felt not quite redeeming, but but enough to be like, okay, well, well, it's interesting because it's a game where you're 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 trading blows, right? It's like here's my turn, and it's like boom, boom, boom. Now it's your turn, boom. And if you roll bad, it's like you're swinging misses. It, it is visceral, and you know this game seems, uh, even though like you say, it's it's definitely using that Yahtzee mechanic, it seems just as inspired by King of Tokyo uh, for the card play because King of Tokyo kind of introduced cards to... Uh, sure. And, and, but what I was going to say is King of Tokyo feels a bit more like a party, right? Like monsters are smashing each other and there's hopefully more than two people playing King of Tokyo where it doesn't feel as personal. A one-on-one thing always is going to feel uh, a little weird unless you're playing like a solid multiplayer solitaire game where you're just kind of working on your own thing. But yeah, that trading blows thing in, in Dice Throne, yeah, you feel it a bit. I'd be happy in, in 10 years if we never experienced explained a game by saying oh it's like a yahtzee game right and instead we're like it's like a king of tokyo right so it's it's like king of tokyo dice but you're doing but you're farming right you know right (laughs) i think king of tokyo deserves uh, to be the new yahtzee like they richard garfield i think was the first to really polish that system into something very modern very board game very yeah I actually that I can think. Of. I actually looked it up because uh, when I, I was looking at King of Tokyo earlier, and I went down through the awards list, and I was like, "Huh, it's 20, 2011. It wasn't nominated for Spiel des Jahres." And I'm kind of surprised because it was such a family weight, easy to get into game. It's the it's the year that Quirkle won. And we talked about oh, wow. this recently, which is like yeah, yeah. really again a kind of spin on a on a cool a mechanic, right? It's like a way better connect four or something with, with bag drawing from a bag is it, a great game. Um, and also the other two in there were forbidden Island, which is which huge for the year it came out. Matt Leacock. Matt Leacock. And uh, the, the one you and I have played um, Amara, right? The, the tower. Asara? Asara, I think was the third, Yeah, which is. That's a fun game too. I really like that one. Yeah. So, you know, that was, I feel like, you know, 2000, 
2007 to 2011, a lot of big kind of genre defining games came out and maybe King of Tokyo didn't felt more like a cartoon than a Euro game or like a game game at that time. Maybe, I don't know, but it's definitely held if, the test of time. If I were right now sort of to end, end things, cause we're out of time. Oh, uh, yes. If I were to recommend a game to everybody, right? Not, not a particular set of game anybody's, but absolutely everybody. It's sort of the way that Yahtzee is a game for everybody. And, but, but a dice game that doesn't actually use the Yahtzee system, but would feel as easy. And I think everybody that, that loves games or wants to play games should have on their shelf. For me, it would be Las Vegas. Oh uh, yeah. Las Vegas and Las Vegas has a similar thing going on. Uh, I mentioned pandemic, the cure mm-hmm. earlier, which is another Matt Leacock game. Yep. And that that's a, a sort of a dice version of pandemic and you use, a Yahtzee system for your actions, but then there's the the actual viruses are just regular D6s. Right. And when they come out, they get rolled and they go to their different areas based on what number comes out. Mm. And if there's an outbreak, then those numbers go to the next ones and the next ones. And those are the, the viruses that you're trying to fight. Right. And Las Vegas actually, that's, you know, I don't, I'm not saying they're, they're connected, but they do a similar thing. Mm. I just mentioned the cure and didn't really say anything about it but las vegas everybody has like eight dice and there's six spots one for each number on your dice and everybody rolls their dice and on your turn you have to pick one of your numbers and put it on one of the slots that are available uh one through six and each of those slots in i think there's only three or four turns Mm -hmm. has has money associated with it and everybody will then keep the rest of their dice and on their turn they roll them again and they pick one number and they place them out and the way that it works at the end of the round there'll be everybody's dice piled on one two three four five or six and if everybody has the same amount of dice they get canceled right and then the next amount of dice will be the winner so it's just this area control game. You know, it's a great party game because you don't have to pay much attention. Everybody can be drinking and talking and laughing. And then you, you put your dice out and it, it, it's as satisfying as Yahtzee has ever been for me. And it's, there's, there's enough going on that is always interesting every time we've played it. And you can play it with, if you, if you have enough dice, like it comes with dice for six players, Yeah, but you can add in more colors and you can play with up to eight. Yeah, we've, number of we've cards played it have. with a bunch. And there's an expansion called Boulevard that adds in sort of new mini games that go on, which I think is out of print now, but they've re-released Las Vegas mm, in a, in a new anniversary edition yeah. that has sort of the Boulevard expansion worked into it and some new stuff. And it's about $45, but you get a ton of dice mm-hmm. and a bunch of money and so much fun and there's, in a box. If I had to recommend a replacement today for Yahtzee, it would be Las Vegas. Huh. Yeah, that's which a good is one. Uh, Root Rutger Dorn. Yeah, who who also did Karuba, right? Which is a bingo game, which ties back to E.S. Lowe, who supposedly started Yahtzee, but also maybe started bingo in North America. Huh. Ave Caesar. Sorry. Oh, they, yeah, that's a <laughs> our bingo episode. We should do a bingo episode. It's like an inside joke. You have to listen to you have to listen to us every week to get that one. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Uh, I was going to make a suggestion, but I like uh, I was going to do something similar and say what I would recommend as a new Yahtzee. But I like that you tied it back to low and and bingo. And I think we should just 
put a sock in it. I wasn't saying to you put a sock in it, but uh, I, you know what? I would, I would have to go with King of Tokyo. I just have so much fun with that game that that would be my, uh, my, my roll and lock. But the problem there is the theme. I know people who oh, don't I, really want to play I it. I live in the house. Like Macy, <laughs> Macy doesn't want to play it because it's fighting. Yeah, you know? Susie doesn't really like it. Sam gets a kick out of it. My family didn't really take to it uh, back home. Uh, but for whatever reason, it, it's, I have this vision that it's the ultimate family game. It really isn't. But it, uh, yeah. But there's something something there. But, it, but recently, um, and you know, we didn't really get to try it because it just sat on the back burner for a while. Um, but something newer, uh, very opposite to what you're talking about with Las Vegas in that it's like a party, casual affair. And it is still pretty casual, but it's not a party vibe. It's more of a solitaire vibe is uh, Railroad Inc. Um, and I, I would really like you guys to try it out sometime. I do think this is more of like a Zen game than it is like a gambling, chuck your dice, get that Yahtzee feel. But I, this is more of a roll and write thing where I do really like chuck and dice. And instead of pips, they have railroads. And then you're drawing a little railroad route on your whiteboard and trying to link up routes uh, across this little grid. It's really satisfying. It's a fun little, almost like playing Sudoku. You know that feeling you get? I don't play Sudoku, but I imagine the feeling you get when you when you do it. Uh, you get that with railroading. <laughs> I, uh, I love Sudoku. That, as a... As a recommendation for a replacement for Yahtzee for groups and families, terrible recommendation. Yeah. Oh, Railroad Inc.? <laughs> yeah. Why? <laughs> because you went on to say it's, it's more of a solo. Oh, yeah, yeah, true. I guess it was recommended for families. As a, as a Yahtzee replacement, it's like, here's one where you're chucking dice and doing things with your dice. <laughs> Just stick with King of Tokyo. Okay. Uh, I gotta go. All right, man. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye. See you, Steve. Thank you.